I can't believe I'm having you cancel me on my own podcast. <laughs> I'm definitely not canceling you. Should we do some grounding exercises? <laughs> no, it's okay. All right. Welcome back to the Clown Hospital Podcast, the mental health podcast that is not afraid to admit that capitalism is the problem. It is me, your host, Sadie, as always, and joining me today to, to talk about sort of like harm reduction uh, and like supporting people struggling with substance abuse is my ex who supported me when I was struggling with substance <laughs> abuse, Rebecca. Hello, what's up? <laughs> Hey, folks. <laughs> Hi, Sadie. How's it going today? Are you ready to process? I'm more, yeah, I'm more or less ready. I've been like breathing through my gentle anxiety stomach ache and I have a freeze pop and a glass of water. So I'm ready to go. Hell yeah. That's self-care, baby. Uh, not, <laughs> you know, platonically. Not, I'm, I'm not calling you baby. <laughs> cool. So usually where I, where I start with guests is like, what is like the basic background that we need to know about you before getting into the topic sort of make it like your perspective make sense yeah I guess my professional quote-unquote mental health background is like pretty limited like I grew up with a therapist mom and Mm -hmm. I I've like worked in social services for a long time so I've been like professionally right up front with a lot of people's mental health issues but I don't have like training in any kind of mental health background. It's just like me and my therapist mom and like my friends who I talk about feelings with and like YouTube videos about mental health and then like personal mental health vibe, like lots of my personal growth stuff is around like codependent stuff. Cool. Something, I don't know, I was talking to my mom recently and I said something about Rebecca being all over the place and she was like, she seems so simple. (laughs) I do think I give up. <laughs> she seems so simple. I don't think that's untrue or like mutually exclusive with having some problems. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, you know, like I love to go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time. And I like sunshine and food, you know, I'm a, sim- I'm a simple guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I, I guess I guess what it is is like, you know, the world is really complex. So to be like a simple person in like a complex world and trying to like mesh those two things, like I feel like that is maybe where things get complicated. Yeah, it turns out it's actually like terribly messy. You know, also, you, can, yeah. you can solve a lot of problems with, with sunshine and a good meal, but like not everyone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also like the sort of the a specific place that I'm at in my personal growth right now is that like Mm. a way that I I have been like simple in terms of the way that I take care of myself is that for a long time my overall vibe has been like whatever situation I'm in like I can be happy in that situation and I'm just getting to the place of being like oh actually I'm fully in charge of what situation I'm in like I have like a lot of privilege and all of the agency to be like not just like going with the flow and figuring out how to take care of myself in whatever whatever is happening to me but just like actually choosing what's happening to me I'm actually responsible for choosing what's happening to me yeah to some Um, extent and like 
Yeah. And like for me personally, like to a very great extent, like I have a lot, like I personally have just like so fucking many options and like I get to choose between those options. Must Um, be nice. It is nice. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, like it's also like really overwhelming to be like just noticing after a long time of being like, oh, like I'm just going to like do whatever comes along and like like have whatever comes along happen to me and then like figure out how to take care of myself around that to be like oh no like I'm in charge of like finding my own sense of meaning (laughs) it's kind of wild and different and does feel more complicated than being like I'm just gonna do what's happening and like go on a run every morning and I'll be fine yeah we're like yeah yeah it sounds like maybe like where you traditionally get your source of meaning is like by codependently supporting other people and like that is that as a source of meaning and not in like a super intentional like I've chosen where to put my support way but in like a oh this happens to be what's happening and I'm gonna do it and like I don't think that that's like I don't think that like seeing needs in your community and like or like in your personal relationships and filling them is like necessarily problematic no Um, it's yeah it's like what I often say it's like not it's like you know I get really frustrating people like talk about certain things in like black and white terms and it's like you know it's not a it like you know no no action very or very few actions are like morally wrong by default it's like how you're doing them and what context you're doing them in yeah like there is a time and a place for murder (laughs) (laughs) and people people lots of people think that they don't believe that and then they fucking suck off the troops so but anyway that's a whole (laughs) other thing uh i probably probably delete that um cool yeah so (laughs) you're gonna delete a quote fucking suck off the truth i don't know maybe you won't i mean people people know what i think about the troops um well less the troops and more the the military as a whole but um anyway so i i wanted to talk to you about this because like i actually kind of give you a lot of credit and like the the ways that that you and you know we're not perfect obviously um but like I give you a lot of credit in the ways that you supported me when I was you know as I said like before we were recording like the worst point of my life and I guess for context um you know I I was doing pretty rough for a while um I I was uh, at, a, at a workplace that I now recognize as abusive. I coped with that uh, through self-harm, which uh, eventually, which was pretty bad. I was like recently looking at pictures and I was like, holy shit, how did like anyone, <laughs> I don't know, like I, I, like I was talking about how like in therapy just now, like that I was like looking at pictures and I'm just like covered in wounds. And then, like, I have my unemployment trial, and my old boss was like, you know, like, there are accommodations we could have provided. And when the judge asked what accommodations, my old boss said, 
shorter work days. <laughs> and it's like, I am covered in open wounds. That I, and I am getting new ones like every day. And you think shortening my work day will probably, like, let's be honest, probably not shortening my workload. <laughs> you think that's good? Yeah, so that, you know, that eventually um, escalated into substance use of ketamine, which, like, at first, you know, I, I justified that to myself because of this reputation is getting as a antidepressant. And, you know, I, you know, tried to like play doctor, which is a phrase that has <laughs> connotations that I don't want to imply with that. Yeah. And I, I did a lot of, I did a lot of research and like of how to do it safely and all that. And, you know, I did it somewhat safely for like maybe twice. And then that, you know, quickly escalated. And then after I lost someone who I was really close to, it escalated even further. So that that is like the context of, you know, where I was at. And then I, I went to the psych ward. Uh, they tried to send me to rehab and I said, no, no, no. And, you know, there, there were a lot of people who were, you know, there for me in this time, but like definitely like, you know, I, I definitely think of you as like a central figure here, uh, you know, as like my local partner at the time, uh, as someone who like when I had that loss moved in temporarily and you know when I would go to the psych ward like you would be the contact person with the doctors and stuff so like and I also I also think you know like I already was starting to say that like in hindsight I like really appreciate like certain parts of your approach yeah So, so yeah, that was just, you, you mean, you know, what was happening. Uh, you I were was, there. Yeah. yeah. You were there. So, the yes. So it's okay that you don't have anything to say about <laughs> my summary. Uh, yeah. So like before we really get into my personal stuff, uh, which I already have gotten into, uh, what was your exposure to and an experience with the concept of harm reduction uh, before uh, my experiences, because I, I definitely feel the support, because you, you you never, like, like, you showed concern about my use, but there was never any, like, ultimatums of, like, you need to stop, or XYZ, or, like, not even any ultimatums of, like, you want to stop, but you, you, like, you, or I need, I want you to stop, it was, like, how do we do this safely, and that is harm reduction, or how do we do this as safely as possible? And like mm -hmm. that is the like the central principle of harm reduction. So I was wondering just, you know, where your perspective came from. Yeah, I mean, so I was looking at this question in the planning document and like, I think I had like some professional training theoretically in harm reduction. Like, like I, I know about the concept of harm reduction and like different systems that are created to like be harm reduction around drug abuse, et cetera. Yeah, um, like you know what Narcan think, is, you've been trained in using it, just like right. the way that, you know, it's probably most people's exposure to harm reduction in the current 
day. Yeah. Um, but I think like in practice, in terms of like my, like any like skills or practices I actually had around harm reduction, like that, those practices just come from a place of like a belief that you're in charge of your own life and that like mm-hmm. I have reason to be like taking your agency away from you and that supporting you would like definitely not involve me trying to control you um and that um I like that you said that there's a lot of people who need to hear that <laughs> not naming yeah, names that's- just saying and that's just like honestly like probably I think that because like I grew up with a therapist mom who like you know worked with homeless people for a long time like I'm not sure exactly where I learned that I mean and also like I've been like in close relationship with people struggling with severe mental health stuff for a long time and at least the people that I've been like in close relationship and in close conversation with like really value their agency and like wouldn't want that like taken away like I am not a person who believes in like involuntarily calling for someone to be like institutionalized if they don't want to and like that's because of like how I've been trained by my friends who I've been like in conversation with about mental health stuff I think yeah so I think that like what shows up as like harm reduction in the context of substance abuse stuff is just about me being like no like like I'm not gonna like tell you not to use ketamine I'm gonna like tell you what you said two weeks ago about ketamine you know and like you were like very communicative about what you thought was actually good for you and what you didn't think was actually good for you so it was very easy. Yeah, it's just, just I was verbal. doing what was not good for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you were super verbal about what was not good for you also. So it was pretty easy to just like reflect your words back at you and be like, this is what you said would be healthy for you yesterday. Yeah. And um, well, what I, I this may be jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, like, what were those words just while while we're here? Yeah. I mean, like when you were sort of like going through your summary a second ago I was remembering like before you started using ketamine you did a bunch of research and then you verbally described to me like exactly what you thought healthy use would look like yeah which is like once or twice a month uh right and And then you that being like a not like a k-hole dose but like a not a load like a like a 75 milligram dosage yeah and the first time you used it and like and you described the risks to me of using it more than that and then you like which if you don't know is like I think primarily is like cognitive function uh and bladder and liver damage k is not a physically addictive substance but it can be like mentally addictive which is where i'm at with it and like when i say bladder damage it's like there are people who have absolutely destroyed their bladder with it Uh, and you an overdose is like unlikely but possible as is you know the common thing with alcohol of like choking on your vomit and also sort of like also in common with alcohol is 
it can really limit like your motor skills. Like I've read of people like setting themselves on fire by like knocking something over, setting themselves on fire, not feeling it. Um, so like, it's a very risky substance when when you think about it. Yeah. 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 So like you described those risks to me, and the first time you were using it, you were using it like in the way that you'd researched to be safe. And then when you started using it in a different way, I was able to be like, hey, what about like the thing you said about what would be safe? And then also like when you were using in like ways that weren't going to be healthy for you, you were verbalizing while you were doing that, that you were doing it with no intention of using it in a healthy way. Like you were like, no, I'm I'm trying to remember the specific language you use, but I'd be like, oh, like, are you trying to use it in this potentially therapeutic way? And you'd be like, no, I'm kind of like trying to like, please disappear forever and just be asleep. Yeah. Um, Be like, no, 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 definitely the self-destructive thing is what I want. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, like one of, like I, I was experiencing like a lot of emotional pain and you know like the side effect of memory loss was like appealing to me it was like i i want to just turn my memory off and you know now my memory is kind of turned off and it sucks (laughs) um you know obviously i can remember things because i am able to have this conversation but uh it it there are definitely barriers to it and there are definitely lots of things like my like sense of time is, has gotten really weird and I think that I mean it's hard to parse um what is substance from substance use what is from trauma and what is from long COVID but like that you know that was one of my goals was to like erase my memory and like you know I was suicidal like the idea of getting hurt or or destroying my body like it it when you want to die like increasing your risk of death is not a deterrent <laughs> and it's actually mm-hmm. and like and also like, and like like you said like you know kind of the goal and like was was to some extent my goal and like i like I, I identify as someone with like a like substance use disorder, uh, but I primarily like um, think that like my my main uh, quote unquote problem behavior is self harm, and that like the way I used that substance substance which like definitely became addictive. Uh, is just like a another like bullet point on my like timeline of self-harm mm-hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense but yeah like I, I really feel like you were like verbally describing to me like like you always were aware on an intellectual level of like what was safe for you and like what what would be like a therapeutic use versus like a self-harm use and you were verbalizing that while it was happening um which made me feel like I was just like I mean like obviously there 
was a part of you that like really did want to do the self-harm things but it was pretty easy to just like reflect your own statements back to you be like hey like I also care about you being alive and like yeah well I I think and I think those things hit differently like before and after hospitalization Mm -hmm. and like you know because like you know we'll just jump around whatever like you know because like during hospitalization they wanted me to go to rehab I did not want to and you know I think I maybe could have benefited but if I didn't if I didn't want to go there's like no point in forcing me but like they were able to convince me like at least like slow down like give your time like give give it time for like your effects to work and because they started me on effector which was they like they weaned me off they got me off Lexapro and got me on effector and which is working great for me and yeah I think you know the intellectual awareness only goes so far when you're in like such immense emotional pain and there's only like and that only feels that there's one way to get out of it Mm-hmm. Um, or like get to temporarily get out of it. And like you even said it yourself was like when I like after my loss, that like that like when I was high was like when I seen the most like myself. Because like as someone, some of my friends often put put it puts it like, you know, substance use like feels like like it, it like is not this like in the long run, but in the short term feels like the off switch. I know this is self-destructive. I know there's a lot of risk involved, but like the only way I I like can feel like I can relatively function and not be like trying to hurt myself at all times is if I do this. And you know, and that's why I was using so often was like it was like the only time I felt like my like it, wasn't only the only time I seemed like myself was the only time I felt like myself and Mm -hmm. like you know that self-awareness is like really important and I think is one of many things that like helped me from going like like you know I had a problem but it could have been so much like there was so much room for it to be worse Uh and there the and there still is like you know like if I were to go back, like there is, there, there is that potential, but like, I have like, you know, having some awareness of what I was doing, uh, was helpful. Like once I was able to get a handle on my emotions without it. Yeah. Um, Cause I feel like, so yeah, it's like, because so, it's not helpful to know that it has like long-term negative consequences if it's also just like seems to be the only possible way to stop feeling like horrible horrible pain right now yeah because um like as someone else I, I i know um often says to people like congratulations on like finding drugs and alcohol because like that's why you're you're here like that because this was when I worked in rehab and you know like I get to meet you because you found like because because substance use is a survival skill and like you know if like yes like dangerous long-term consequences 
but like without it it's like hard to say if i would be here because if i if i if i was just stuck in that pain and could not like have brief periods of rest from that pain it it's like easy to imagine things going worse yeah yeah and i think that like like another principle of of harm reduction but yeah go ahead yeah yeah i mean and i think that was like ultimately how you like did manage it while it was happening um is that it was like okay like i know i shouldn't do this but ooh, i want to do this worst thing right now I really yeah. feel like I can't not do this worst thing. Okay, this is an okay time to like use this substance or whatever. Like this is an emergency where this is appropriate. Yeah, it's just that that emergency was constant <laughs> for a while. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then after so after the hospital, like the plan was to give you my supply. Um, and you know to try to help support me in like using at the pace that i originally planned on doing and you know often i would get upset i'd be like give me my fucking shit and then you'd be like also harm reduction sadie have you smoked weed and i'd be like (laughs) No, I should do that. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, just like, you know, you would, like, like as you're saying, parrot, like, oh, well, like, like, you know, are you gonna, is this, like, a once every two weeks thing, or, like, are you tr- trying to, like, do a lot? And, like, I think at that point, like, my relationship was like so marked with it what I was like I just like did not and I still don't see the appeal of like doing it twice a month like if I'm gonna do it I want to like do it um Uh and like that's very much where it was and like you know when I was like learning the skills to like do that work myself it was very helpful to have someone like have a barrier you know because like if you want to if you want to use a substance like you can find a way like obviously I could have just like bought more um but you know it is helpful right like you had keys to my house you could have like yeah. You could have gotten that, like, those specific drugs. <laughs> and it's possible that I, like, knew when you worked and thought about it and had plans to do so and did not. Um, but, like, you know, and I think part of that is being constantly reinforced of, like, like when I was not yet ready to, like, do that, like, reinforcement myself of, like, you know, like when I'm not able to reality check myself, is like, all right, are you going to do this like self-destructively uh, in place of helping coping, healthy coping, or are you going to do this like uh, 
somewhat vaguely close to how medical professionals do it, except you're snorting it, which they do not do uh, when you're prescribed it. Uh, and like, just to like have that reminder and like, you know, I think also you, like you did, would remind me like, oh, look, this is what you said. <laughs> like, um, that was helpful as well. Yeah, I mean, and like you really, yeah, like you in every way set me up for that to be really easy because you were very clear about like what would be healthy and you were very clear about what you wanted to do with it when you were asking for it. Um, yeah, and that wasn't like, very smart of me. Worried, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I have to be more manipulative <laughs> next time. <laughs> next time. And like, <laughs> as you were just describing, like you literally were doing the work to do that. like like you just put like an extra yeah. barrier between you and the drugs like i wasn't keeping you actually from the drugs like no because like I, you just made it harder for yourself yeah and like asked for a reminder because like technically you hid them but i knew where they were and like yeah. i i remember i would like be at your house like be at your apartment i would just be like like staring at it i'd be like Hey, wouldn't it be funny if I just like took it <laughs> and like, and uh, yeah, I just simply was not, I'm not good enough at being manipulative. Uh, so, <laughs> so, and yeah, like, you know, like, like I said, like, I feel like, you know, it like that hit different, like, after, like post hospital because like, went to the hospital and you know it did not it was not the miracle cure of course because it's not like psych word's not designed that way um it's really just the holding cell uh but with some treatment sometimes depending on where you go um but like i i was an iop and i was and i did go to php after the hospital and like i did put an honest effort into those things um so like i like you know i was using or using you sounds wrong but like you were helping me like create barriers to use while i was developing the skills and i, I think sometimes like there is like this like tough love mindset or this like bootstrap like sometimes like 12-step stuff like sounds really bootstrappy to me just like just fucking get, or like or like even people who are also people who like aren't familiar with recovery at all like just like expect you to just be able to stop and it's like well that's not what addiction means mm -hmm. obviously like that's literally the opposite of what it means and uh, i totally lost my train of thought oh i don't know um but it was so it was helpful, like because it's like I did not have the skills to manage my use. Um, I needed to build them, uh, and like you providing those barriers and the that like reality check and that parroting as part of the barrier. There's like while I was building those skills, like gave me the opportunity to do so. So like. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know, eventually we, we flush the, the supply and 
you know, that could have even been like, all right, well, just ha- I could just buy more now. Because, uh, like, in a sense, that's, like, even removing a bear. <laughs> um, but, you know, I am still sober, like, 16 months or so. Um, 15, I don't know. Yes. Good yeah. Yeah. All right, so we're jumping around a little bit, but... Um, <laughs> What was the emotional experience of being close to me at this point in my life? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now we're entering into the part of the conversation that's just like heavy relationship uh, processing on the pod. Um, (laughs) Heavy relationship podcasting. (laughs) Heavy relationship podcasting. That's the Um, episode title. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, I mean, like, so like on a basic level, I was obviously like, worried for and about you and like stressed um and it was like um relatively consuming you know it was like okay like so like kind of luckily it was covid so I didn't have like a bunch of other things that like at the at like the time when it was like the most crisis yeah it was kind of like I had work and then I had like okay Sadie's in like really intense crisis and they're just like okay like I'm gonna do slightly less of a good job at work and always leave work on time and like I'm like I'm gonna work on this other thing now (laughs) and that's what we're gonna do um yeah so it was like very consuming leaving work to take care of your old boss from that job (laughs) (laughs) you know classic um oh my god I feel it I'm a mess (laughs) (laughs) well anyway um um, yeah and then like your next question in the planning document is how did you manage these emotions um so like thinking about that I think like some healthy management strategies that I had were like one thing is like a cognitive thing of like not believing that I'm keeping other people alive and being like, hey, like Sadie is in charge of keeping Sadie alive. She's been doing it for a long time. Like she's yeah. still doing it. Like Sadie is keeping Sadie alive. Yeah. And like, like I was saying, like the substance use while having like serious risks and consequences was at the time my way to keep myself alive. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then like also for me, a, another like healthy management strategy was just taking really good physical care of myself. So like those couple of weeks where um where like right after you experienced yeah. that I and I moved in, I was like still running every morning, even though I was at your house. I was like making sure I went on walks and I was you know, still eating food at all of the regular times that I would eat food. Um, and just like, and like, it was also helpful for my management that there just like, wasn't a bunch of other stuff happening at the same time. So I was just able to be like, okay, like the things I'm going to do are like, take care of myself and my body, like be like physically present for your Sadie and like go to work during the hours that I have to be at work and like that's what I'm gonna do during this time 
Um, so also just like letting, uh, just like letting it be true that that was like um, very consuming and like a lot of emotional work and being like, okay, I don't really have to do any other emotional work during this time. Like there's nothing else I have to do, it's fine. <laughs> um, and just being able to be present for that. Um, and like, ultimately those were like pretty effective management strategies. Um, yeah. And then like, <laughs> uh, I have listed some arguably unhealthy coping strategies. Um, and like one of those was just like, like um, you weren't able to be like present for support. So like one of my management strategies was also just like really making sure I didn't need any emotional support from you, which is like, ultimately a very functional coping strategy in the moment and then like also long term like obviously not like good for a dating relationship situation no. to be like yeah I'm present for this and like no I don't need you for anything no I don't need this yeah time. it really throws off like the balance of power yeah and like isn't um like empowering to you at all uh, yeah exactly it's like it's like specifically yeah like that's what you're saying it's like super disempowering to you to be like oh like you can't fill my needs right now I'm just gonna like fully assume you can't fill any of my needs and like not ask you to yeah because you know even in crisis I can say no like and I like you know and like you know the, like you're definitely not the only person uh, like who, who like took that strategy and, um, yeah, like it, like the, like it's really, it was like really frustrating for me. Cause it's like, you know, like the, the person who like best knows what I can and cannot handle is myself. And like, if I don't even know that X, Y, Z thing is happening, uh, then like how do I like do anything about it um and like and just because xyz is happening and I don't know anything about it doesn't mean it's like not impacting our relationship or the dynamic and like it yeah and like takes away like my agency of like you know sometimes when you're having a hard time like Sometimes what helps is getting your out of, out of your own head and like helping someone else with something. Oh um, yeah. And you know, and like people like still do this sometimes of like assuming my triggers or whatever. And I, and you know, and I don't know. I just think of like you know, it's like some like recent conversations of like ours or something, and like it maybe like goes into like like maybe like you ask something and like and I'll have to, and I'll say no and I'll be like visibly uncomfortable with it and then it's like that's it like and and that is that's fine like because like communicating like if if like giving myself giving me the opportunity to communicate no it is empowering to know that like you, you know I'm in crisis but I can I can still like be a support to other people like when I feel like I can uh and it it is like really it's such a bizarre experience to just be like to like 
suddenly told like all this stuff was happening and we're like what i didn't like you know and like you know it's not even if like been given a chance like feels like really disempowering like it's like oh like you know like and maybe like maybe that assumption was right but like you know the goal i think is to like let people make their own decisions um yeah i mean and also like what i was doing was like super self-protective and like actually like um like the more experience i get with like me in different kinds of relationships the more i'm like oh i'm like super anxious and like very like i really it's like really uncomfortable to hear no and like and like feels really vulnerable to like ask for help that I might not get, which like is true for everyone for sure. Um, yeah, but, but then like, also I, like me saying no, it's like all right, see if you can't. So like I can like go somewhere else, and like that that's well, that's what I think of like when people say no. It's like I'd rather you say no than like say yes and then resent me because you said yes. And also, I'd rather you say no than just like not replying to my text or something and that's not supposed to be shady uh so don't take it like it is whoever is listening but like i i like would like you to just say no because like it's like okay that per like rebecca can is not at a place to provide and that's that in my head is like the green light to just go somewhere else yeah i mean and i think that that's like a healthy relationship to asking for help and that my relationship to asking for help for a long time has been that I don't want to ask anyone for help that the answer might be no it's that like especially like emotional support yeah it, like like I have like such a like full body anxiety like abandonment ish reaction to being like yeah hey, me too this is like this my perspective yeah, is new no. <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, like it, it feels like really, really scary to be like, Hey, can you talk about this with me? And then have the person be like, actually, no, I can't. It's super reasonable. It's good. And also like my reaction to it is like, Ooh! yeah. And then, well, then the other thing I remember, um, is that like, a lot of times like, no, isn't permanent. Like mm-hmm. asking me, like, if you ask me for like, emotional support while I was in a hospital like a no would have been really appropriate but like if you ask me like for the same support two weeks out of the hospital like I I would have maybe would have been able to engage in it in a different way or like we could have later had a conversation of like all right like what what's like a meta conversation of like all right like if you can't fit x y and z need like what is a way that we can try to like compromise and like figure out how to do this in a way that feels good for both of us uh and then but but like just avoiding the conversation altogether just you know avoids the conversation altogether like yeah there, there is no room for that processing because it's just avoidance yeah yeah definitely yeah um Yeah, and then, like, this is sort of on, like, along the same, like, coping strategy line, but, um, like, 
one thing that was like happening for me while this was happening was I was having the emotional experience of getting like all my codependent needs to be needed met mm-hmm. without any of the like scary vulnerability of like, oh, also I need other people, um, which, yeah, which like ultimately meant that I wasn't like asking for you, asking from you for what I needed to like be in a like balanced relationship and like definitely wasn't as you mentioned keeping you like updated about my emotional life and ultimately meant that I was like I ended up like backing out in a very messy way from a lot of support that you'd come to expect which is like yeah obviously not healthy for you either <laughs> yeah where you know a convert like a conversation <laughs> you know like you know, I, you know that uh, it doesn't always end well. Like, it, like a conversation doesn't always end with both parties or all parties happy. But you know, there there is the potential of of it where like avoidance. You know, it make it makes sense. Like, I, like you know, I can't really blame you or anyone else for the avoidance. Especially, like, you know, like if you if you've seen me at the height of my substance use, at the height of my suicidality, at the height of my self-harm. Um, you know, even if your avoidance has nothing to do with those things, like those things can be like, can work as like a justification of like, oh, I don't want to have this conversation with Sadie because if I, if I upset her, then X, Y, and Z. And, you know, if X, Y, and Z happens, it is my responsibility like Sadie to like do what I can to handle that. Uh, not necessarily, uh, you know, people have this uh, misconstrued notion of triggers of like, it's like a, like trigger warnings are just the way people avoid difficult conversations where actually it's like, no, it helps them to prepare for a difficult conversation. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I like, I feel like that's similar here. It's like, yeah, like there are risks maybe to, like of a conversation that might be triggering or upsetting or whatever. But, you know, I think kind of what happened with us to go in relationship processing is like, you know, not, not talking about what's going on, uh, like, like backing up without like verbally saying that that's what you're doing. Like, I noticed that stuff. <laughs> like, and most most people do. I I I am anxiously attached, and you know, I I am keenly aware of when people are detaching, and uh, on on some level, and you know, I even like I remember making like not to call you out, but I guess. <laughs> like you know I remember like being like saying like something like oh like you don't about like you not feeling very present anymore and you're like oh that's like wild that you think that and then later like post-relationship like you saying yeah like yeah I don't know I don't even like know where it was <laughs> like just like yeah. a minute like you know like even if you're not perceiving the detachment, trust me that I am. And, you know, a lot of people, like, you know, especially people with, like, attachment trauma and stuff, like, 
can read that. And like sometimes it's hypervigilance, but even hypervigilance is a reaction to some stimulus. Um, so yeah, like like avoidance is not does not work as like and I'm not saying this quite, I'm just saying this in general, like avoidance doesn't work as like a coping strategy because the problem still exists and can be felt both by the person avoiding and the person who doesn't even know that something is being avoided because like things exist even if they're not being conversed about directly. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. So the people who are like, we should just stop talking about race because then racism won't exist can suck my fucking tranny dick because that's just not how any problems work. <laughs> talking about problems is what solves them, not what creates them. Or yeah. what creates potential to solve them doesn't necessarily solve them. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, and we, we've talked about this um, a little bit already, but what, what was the support you were able to pro provide for me and what informed your approach to my substance use uh, do you believe it was effective and were there any barriers to its effectiveness? So some of this seems like something we'll talk about together, but do you have any more perspective than that you haven't said yet? Um, no, I mean, I think basically what we've talked about is like what, um, I, I think like most of the support that I was able to provide was just like literally being physically there and like yeah. making food and doing dishes and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. just, just like, the way that like being in crisis emotionally like causes the physical world around you to be like also more in crisis like I was like present to just like manage some of those basic things in the way that like like if you go to the psych ward like someone else cleans and like someone else uh like gives you food so you yeah. don't like get worse because you're not eating any food um so it was partly just like being there like to do those things yeah, um, I, and I was not going to do those things without someone doing them for me. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, you you were having, like, a really fuck time and, like, not very motivated. Like, like you were having trouble motivating to just, like, not do, like, actively self-destructive things. Like, very easy to do passively self-destructive things. Um, yeah, and, like, just, like, really hard it's like hard to take care of yourself even when you like feel totally fine. So, um, yeah. So I think most of the like actual care I did was just that. And then the, the, yeah, that the, um, like substance abuse care that I provided is like what we already talked about, which was basically just like repeating things back to you. And then, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, just basically the things we already talked about, like repeating things back to you that you'd said yeah. already about what would be healthy for you. Yeah, and I and I do think like really, just like you know, people there are people who think like tough love is the option, uh, and like I don't, you, like I I like that definitely was not your perspective or your goal at all. And like what, like, you know, concern, like 
you showed your concern, like, earn which, like, you know, like, some people, like, confuse harm reduction. Like, some people confuse harm reduction with, like, enabling. And, like, I think that doesn't, like, hold water when, like, you are actively communicating that, like, you're like you're not like acting in a line with, with like your values or your goals for your like yourself and your health like um like allowing people to make their own choices isn't like enabling negative behavior it's enabling people to make their own choices and sometimes yeah. that is unhealthy behavior but like you know you were giving me space to to be messy, to be in pain, to cope with it with the tools that I that I had at the time, without like harassing me or or even like showing like a lot of like discomfort around it, like and just like except like this is just what is happening right now, and like this is a person I care about at the time. You no longer care about me, but it's fine. And <laughs> just kidding. Um, Thank you for helping me pack and move um, <laughs> and be my friend otherwise. Um, but yeah, like there, there was definitely honesty about like your thoughts on my choices while also not with like really no effort to make my choices for me, um, which is really... I think really helpful um and like I think like creating that like barrier system and you know like the barrier was broken at a point and you know just like because for like a party like because and that was like agreed upon and like you know I got to make like the choice myself to quit like you know when you know i am hearing myself like begging for it and i'm hearing myself saying like i have no interest in using it safely i have no interest in anything other than a binge like you you hear yourself say that enough times and like you gave me plenty of opportunities to hear myself say it and to hear it repeated back to me I got, like, you know, it's like, okay, like, something is wrong here. Um, and, like, you know, up until, like, a few months ago, it was really hard to, like, even, like, with, like, a year sober, it was, like, hard to admit that there was a problem. But, like, you know, there definitely was. And... you know, I was given the space to make that, like, to have that realization on your own, on my own, uh, while also having someone, like, try to help me be as safe as possible. Because, like, if there's one thing uh, that is important to know, and, like, supporting someone in, like, addiction uh, who doesn't want recovery is having difficult, like, getting recovery is, like, you can't make them do, you can't really make anyone do anything, but you can support them and you, you can hold space for the, them and, and their pain and suffering. 
but like the decision has to come on their own and like you know the like kind of like fucking hard to do like how would you do it without having decided to do it yourself exactly like yeah like it is so hard to do even without a physical dependence like you know I struggled really bad with cravings like that whole first year and um yeah like you have to be like emotionally invested in doing it for yourself for it to work and you know if like since I wasn't there yet it was really helpful to have support like someone who was like willing to like you know show concern for my safety and try to make sure I do it safely but then also you know giving me the information that would eventually lead to my choice Uh, Mm -hmm. that I am continuing to make every single day one day at a time as they say (laughs) yeah baby we love to see it cool does that sound like an episode or do you have anything else to say well sounds like you're about to say something and I cut you off Oh, I was just like, I don't know. I have some like vague wondering questions. Um, Ooh, they're all mad Yeah, one of them is like, how do you think of like the specifics of substance abuse as like separate from like mental health stuff? Or like, how do you, like in your head when you're thinking about that, like, does it feel different from like, self-harm stuff can you repeat that I got distracted like when you were saying like that it took you a long time to be like oh yeah like I do have a substance abuse problem Mm -hmm. like how do do you think of that as like does it feel different from either like general mental health stuff or self-harm stuff Like, does it feel separate in a way where you were like, you knew about those other things before you knew about the substance stuff? Um, well, like, the thing with like substance use um, is that like, off, it's oftentimes uh, a means, like maybe like most often, um, you know, it's also something we do socially. Um, substance use, not necessarily abuse, but also abuse happens uh, socially, but it is often a means of managing mental health symptoms, which is definitely how I was using it. But the thing with like addiction is like, eventually it gets a life of its own. Mm -hmm. Um, Like there there are cravings there are like obsessive thoughts. There's like the physical consequences and so like, like, so it's like not completely separate, but is all like, like comes from the same, like as like a is like a branch on the same tree, I guess, or like tree, different tree, same roots or something. Uh-huh. As maybe a better way to put it. Yes, it comes from that, but it is also its own thing. And like I think, you know, I was talking today in therapy about like in anticipation of this episode about my sort of 
like my my like backwards ass imposter syndrome where like you know like like I was diagnosed with PTSD like you know like you like talk about this like with mental health but like when I was diagnosed with PTSD I was like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> like like mm-hmm. like I remember telling my therapist that my doctor thinks I have PTSD my doctor was or my therapist was like first of all you did not know that already and second of all bitch you have complex PTSD and so even that took a lot of time to which is wild because from an external perspective when you told those stories I'm like she's making a joke because it's obvious that she has PTSD <laughs> you know I was not I like literally was like so thrown off when my doctor said that I have PTSD and I remember I think I told a story in the podcast before but uh, maybe even recently but I think I had a, my doctor's appointment at work like telehealth and I like after my appointment I went to my supervisor and I was like guess what my doctor thinks I have and they were like PTSD and I was like oh <laughs> shit so it's like at, like <laughs> that so even that like took me a while to to come to and like yeah and you know like god bless like smart recovery because like i was in a recovery meeting before i like a year before i admitted that i had a problem and like maybe even before i decided i didn't want to do k anymore because i went Smart recovery includes any compulsive behavior, not just substance use. So I was going for self-harm. And then as I'm listening to people's shares and stuff, I am not just seeing like the self-harm patterns, I am seeing the substance use patterns. And like that was like, oh shit. And it's like, you know, if something is like really, really, really hard to not do, you're probably addicted to doing that thing. Uh-huh. Like if you can spend like an entire day trying not to do something, there, there's like some, there's something off. Um, yeah. But like, you know, like this is maybe like a beyond the scope of your question, but like on this like bizarro imposter syndrome topic, it's like, you know, as I was saying to my therapist was, you know, like something people say about negative self-talk is like, you're not actually saying like a negative thing to yourself. You're parroting what someone has said or what like, or even if they haven't directly said it, like you're parroting a, a messaging you got from someone else. And for a lot of my life and in like the abusive work situation that I was in at that time, very much was being told, you know, like I, like I was saying before, like I, I, could, I look back at all these pictures where my body looks fucked up and then like, and then my boss being like, oh, like you could have just had shorter work days and everything would have been fine. Or you just need 30 days off of MLA and then it'll be fine. It's like, those two things just don't make sense together. And, you know, when people like refuse to hold my pain and just like are dismissive and like you can say that like, I don't have the right to be concerned about that or like I'm being overreactive or whatever, like that doesn't, like you not giving me permission to feel pain does not mean I don't feel it. But then I, but I do end up internalizing this like lack of permission 
and like just like oh well that means like you know i don't like because very much i felt like oh i don't deserve to feel this way or like you know my substance use isn't as bad as like xyz person so like it it doesn't even count as substance as like you know addiction because it didn't get to this point or because like k isn't physically addictive or whatever but like most people in my recovery communities when they know my story like aren't like oh like you haven't like you're stealing valor or whatever it's just like you know because you're like if you you're in a meeting especially if you're in like a larger meeting like people's stories vary greatly like length of use age started substance use what like cravings look like if it's their withdrawal like how it's impacted relationships how many times they've been to rehab like how many times is overdose like everyone's story is like really different and all that really matters is that like you have a compulsive relationship with the substance and and it's damaged your life in some way and you want to abstain or or main or like uh moderate uh usually abstain but is the is the motto for most support groups but yeah that's my thoughts on all that yeah and then like another thing that I'm still just kind of like working at and starting out and like don't have anything clear to say about but it's just that I think like that there is like a really confusing messy like blurry set of lines between like support and like enabling stuff and codependent stuff and I I, like am at a place where I think I know mostly well no I just really don't know and part of like sorting out codependent stuff is being like oh like am I having like an anxiety reaction that's about me that's making me need to do the thing or am I like doing this thing because I think it will be helpful but just in like oh actually I'm not feeling anxious I just like literally care about this person and would like to be helpful I think it is really confusing to know in many contexts whether a support you're offering is helpful because someone needs this thing to get done or actually like not empowering because you're like reinforcing someone's concept that like it's that the thing is too scary for them to do themselves um and like that's a messy thing that I like don't know about and I'm still figuring out and working on and don't yeah know well I think that it was like a, a you know like like I said like for me it was you doing what you were doing and then also showing concern and you know like I I think about like me eating like like cooking and eating and and like cleaning up like from those things like that wasn't a I know that's like not what you're referring to but like I'm thinking about that in that context of like I was not gonna like I, I wasn't afraid of doing the dishes and I know that's not what you're saying like I just like yeah. physically like just like couldn't even stand up that long. Yeah, like, and, and I, I think w- that's like a pretty like feeding people is a pretty well, clear context where it's like no like. But it's like you know if if someone is like afraid of cooking, that is is not it's not a sustainable solution. I think maybe that that is like the first question is is the, like is this a sustainable solution? And the answer is probably no, and which is. What's fine. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. 
it's like, all right, what does it look like when this can, when this solution can no longer be sustained? Like if someone uh -huh. is afraid of cooking and you cook all your meals for them, but you just, you physically cannot do that. Like, it's like, okay, it's, it's letting them know that there's an end date. It uh -huh. is like asking them like, all right, are there ways we can build up to you doing this like on your own? Like, uh -huh. what is like, if I can, if you can't get like the full version of the support, what, like, what are ways to like wean off of it? Yeah. And you know, it, it's hard to give like general advice for that. Cause you know, this stuff can be very specific and everyone is different. I am just talking from my own perspective as someone who is like, you know, mentally ill and not the time of, that we were talking about, but at this current time, physically disabled, you know, it's, I think really it's just communication. Yeah. <laughs> it's really I mean, like my answer to like everything. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like a thing I want to hold on to from what you said that feels like pretty widely applicable to like various situations that I'm thinking about is like providing the support while also expressing concern. Yeah. And yeah. And yeah. And then that third thing you said about like, because I think you like, doing that saved my life. Like, was a part of a wider, you know, a bunch, you know, but like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Not single handedly, but <laughs> you definitely did get a lot of credit. I'm glad that it was helpful. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think that that's widely applicable. Just being like, yeah, like I am providing this support now. And also, like, I want to think collaboratively with you about like what's sustainable. Yeah. Cause eventually, you know, the goal is to like let them make their own decisions. And letting them make their own decisions means communicating what support you can sustainably provide and, you know, like, a lot of support that, like, you know, like, people's lives change, like, like very little is, is sustainable uh, in a, like, or, like, endlessly sustainable. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, all things have an end. So how do we prepare for that end? How do we give people agency when the end comes? How do we help people prepare for the end coming? Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Cool. So that sounds like a fucking episode. I that, would say so. That feels pretty good to me. So as you know, I end uh, each episode with gratitudes. Um, yeah, I'm grateful for you to coming on. I know this was something that we were both nervous about, and it feels <laughs> like it felt really good. I, like, uh, I think we had a really solid conversation that was like actually for me personally not upsetting at all. And like, yeah, I was, I was much less stressful than I was anticipating. <laughs> yeah, I was I was concerned about because it it's like, oh, I am literally going back to like the worst time of my life. But like, I also am not in that time. I have, I have done a lot of growth since then, like a lot. And you said so yourself the other day and yeah, so I'm like grateful for you to like be willing, be willing to have this conversation with me in a public space. I didn't call you out too harshly. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know, very, like just very thoughtful. And then, you know, I also, for my general gratitude, you know, I am just also grateful for our friendship and that, like, you know, Mo, it is, I, I would say it's rare for someone to, like, break up with someone and then, like, you know, eventually 
rebuild a friendship and have it be comfortable and like healthy and communicative enough to like publicly have like a conversation about like you know some of the things that eventually led to us breaking up and like and like a vulnerable time in my life and and all that stuff lots of people just break out their exes and move on and that that is totally fine by me if, if that is what works for you but like I think you know it's really important to me to like not treat people disposably and while and I what I'm lear- trying to learn is how to do that in a way that still respects my needs and I'm not always great at that but I am definitely learning and I, I've made a lot of progress in that regard so like I'm really grateful that I'm, like we're able to have a friendship that feels healthy despite our tumultuous past <laughs> <laughs> yes me too and and grateful that like we were able to take enough space to let that happen and that we were able to clock yeah we like took extra space and I'm grateful that we were able to clock that we needed that and that it was helpful I'm gonna do three two because yeah. I love gratitude I'm grateful to you for having me on and like specifically in terms of the podcast like grateful for like how careful and structured you are and like how much good like previewing of what's gonna happen you gave which was like really helpful in terms of like a conversation that my belly was anticipating stress about so that's one yeah I think that this this is I just want to say this for anyone who maybe I've asked to come on and is as cautious or people who I haven't asked to come on and and like would like to and are like feeling nervous or whatever is that like most people I've had on like never have been on a podcast before both this podcast and the last podcast like there there are exceptions but they can count them on one hand so like I think that has prepared me to like be able to like make people comfortable and like let them like know kind of what is happening and what I can do if maybe the conversation doesn't go as planned or whatever yeah yeah you benefit from being like number 30 or whatever this is gonna end up being yeah which is crazy that it's that many yeah that's awesome yeah good safe gentle podcasting experience let everyone know (laughs) um including some of your friends who I want to have on (laughs) I will and I'm also grateful for like your insight like it's cool to be able to like ask a question that I'm like really working on and like get some really useful insight about it and like I I generally appreciate that your wisdom and thoughtfulness um got nothing but time to think (laughs) yeah and then like also I am in general grateful to have gotten to be around your like really really fucking incredible emotional growth over the past few years um it's just like really amazing to see and like really so cool and yeah yeah too bad it's all gonna get go to waste when i get hate crime to die Or go to jail for being trans or whatever the fuck is going to (laughs) happen. It's not going to go to waste. You are actively helping people. That's true. There is literally uh, a record of the growth that I've made uh, that that will outlive me. I do often wonder 
<laughs> like what me dying is gonna do for my listener numbers oh my god <laughs> because it's like I I know that there's a lot of my friends who've like not listened and I'm like I wonder if that's gonna be what makes people listen <laughs> because it's like well well like you know think about it though like seriously is like um you know like to lose someone but then have you know I probably have like 50 hours of audio of me talking (laughs) that like people can listen to if they miss me like that is (laughs) kind of cool and then also, crazy. like, I, I go ahead and not anticipate your death, though. Fair personally. enough. Fair enough. I I do nothing but anticipate my death, um, <laughs> and have thoughtful uh, internal monologues about mental health, and also uh, thoughtful dialogues with my smart, beautiful friends, also in recovery. You know who you are. Um. I yeah and um yeah so uh is there anything you would like to promote before we end the show yeah i just want to shout out my friend serene's gofundme which i'm on the show (laughs) yeah also come on the show um which i hear sadie will put in the bio yeah i'll Um, put that in my uh, clown hospital bio when this episode comes out um but then also it's already in my personal tiktok or instagram bio um and has been for some time uh so if you and the very likely chance that (laughs) uh because i i I know there are listeners i'm not friends with but i know there are few um like if you're friends with if you follow my uh personal instagram uh that link is also there i think the link even shows up if you don't follow me <laughs> so if you follow if if you go to sleepy time t girl on um t as in just the letter t for trans uh it's a pun uh because i have long covid and i'm really sleepy yeah it will be there um, I feel like I should do like an actual specific plug, which is like Serene's my like very close friend and family, and I love her very much. And I can also throw the link in the episode notes. Awesome. Yeah. Please support her having security. Woo. Yeah, we love Serene. Uh, we do. Even though she probably hates me because I was really mean to you in front of her. She uh, <laughs> great. <laughs> um, Anyway, if you want to send an uh, unhinged email about how you hate me, you can send that unhinged email that will not be helpful to my mental health uh, unless you word it very carefully uh, to clownhospitalpod <laughs> at gmail.com. If you want to keep updated with the show, you can check us out on Instagram at clownhospitalpod and Twitter at clownhospitalbb, uh, as in Bebe. And uh, if you're interested in my movie reviews, because it's the only personal social media that I feel comfortable giving out, uh, it's Tall GF on Letterboxd. And with that, we say, uh, especially after this episode uh, and talking about the loss I had last year, this podcast is dedicated to everyone we've, that we've lost and maybe heal in their honor. Peace. <laughs>